Hello and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who knows nothing about anime, Malcolm Cloud. And joining us once again is Jordan Mitchell Love. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Uh, yeah, as I was, as I was telling them, uh, I feel like Porco Rosso. I was at an Italian wedding um, last night. I'm super hungover. There were Italians. It, it was a bar. <laughs> um and i made this i made this podcast happen i kept telling people at the way i'm like guys guys i gotta be ready for the podcast tomorrow and stuff i gotta leave by you know 10 because it was like an hour hour drive back to my place or something i was watching this movie sporadically uh on my phone (laughs) using my data on you're really selling this i was gonna say like it sounds like honestly like you're doing like method acting but for the podcast (laughs) because yeah is is definitely a bit of a wild ride so like i think you were just kind of getting in that mind in that mindset the freewheeling freewheeling time of porco rosso yeah. This is a this is a ninety minute movie, and it took probably about four hours for me to watch because I was just fading in and out of consciousness and having to talk to other people regarding. I this just whole want to movie. confirm: Have you seen the movie before? Is this your I've first se- first time seeing it during this like stretch of consciousness? This is this is one of my favorite films of all time. So I I, I was already okay. in the bag for. So this is a re- you're rewatching it in this like this a fugue state of just like, <laughs> am I in it? Am I out? Where am I? Am I at this Italian wedding? My, uh, am I Porco Rosso right now? The uh, um, the person who drove me home, he was listening to the movie because I was like watching it in this in his you know car and stuff, and he's like you know asking me questions like why is Porco Rosso a pig and stuff, and all these questions which we're gonna answer. Um, but first off, Jordan, uh, you you told me before you thought you had seen this movie, but it turns out you had not, right? Right. So I actually uh, I've loved Miyazaki films for a while, but I do know that uh, my that I have not watched all of them yet and rewatching it with a friend of mine or watching it with a friend of mine last weekend. I was like, okay, let's, let's watch it. It's going to be great. And my friend was like, I have never seen this. I've never seen it before. Uh, Cause her favorite one is uh, she loves Kiki's delivery service. That's like her all mm. like one of, if not her favorite all time um, uh, anime film. And I was watching it. And within the first 10 minutes I went, Oh, I do not remember this at all. So I walked, I walked into it with a completely fresh set of eyes and I really enjoyed it. I watched it. I did watch it uh, subtitled. I didn't watch it dubbed, but I know it's got a bomb like dub, uh, dub cast. Incredible uh, uh, dubbing cast for the English version. Yeah. Again, this is uh, this was done um, under the pur- purview of like John Lasseter because uh, he did this with Disney and uh, Last- Lasseter has since been canceled. And, you know, it's, it's, there's things that came out of him. But he was a person who was you know, a huge Miyazaki fan. And um, yeah, when Disney was distributing these films, um, he was a big uh, he was a big cheerleader for getting it right. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this, the dub, I watched it dubbed and it's like, you know, you start off with like Michael Keaton as Porco Rosso and then you've got Carrie Ells as Donald Curtis. And then you even get like some of the smaller parts are like I love Brad Garrett, man. Brad Garrett's in this. Yeah, Brad Garrett's uh, capo. And then. Uh, you have like uh, Tom Kenny as uh, like Ferrari or Ferrarian. Uh, oh shit! And Tom Kenny is like you might not know. Yeah, he might not be a name. And he's like, who's that guy? He's the guy who voices SpongeBob. <laughs> SpongeBob, yeah. million yeah. other cartoons. Yeah. It was weird because like I saw that and immediately like w- uh, with Ferrari, I immediately I just I was waiting for him to do like the 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 SpongeBob SquarePants laugh that laugh like that like that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm very upset that it didn't happen, and I think that no. there needs to be a remaster where at the very end we just hear the SpongeBob SquarePants laugh. Yeah, that would have been nice. I mean, I guess at the time it would have been. I don't know when the dub was re- made and released. 
Um, yeah, I guess at the time like, he hadn't he hadn't done SpongeBob I yet. So think he it was made in two thousand two. Oh, is that okay? Then this then the, he's definitely has done SpongeBob at that point. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get let's get into the history segment then. Let's just fucking move right into it as we're getting into these specifics. Uh, so Porco Rosso, this originated in 1989 as a 15-page manga by Hayao Miyazaki, and it was published in Model Graphics, which was a monthly magazine about scale models. So um, it was published over the course of like three months. There were um, each chapter was like five pages or whatever. So just a little short thing for this model magazine. Um, being only 15 pages long, the manga doesn't convey the entire story of Porco Rosso, but it does have the basic elements. And uh, one fun difference is that the film's Donald Curtis character is named Donald Chuck in the manga. Manga. Really? Yeah, huh? Donald Chuck. Donald, I guess it's like a reference to Donald Duck, maybe. That's how I see it, at least. <laughs> I guess I mean, that, tra- that would track. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the choice to make the lead character a pig was because Miyazaki didn't want to draw a character like Marco as a human being. Uh, he said, pigs are creatures which might be loved, but they are never respected. They're synonymous with greed, obesity, debauchery. The word pig itself is used as an insult. I'm not an agnostic or anything, but I don't like a society that parades its righteousness. The righteousness of the U.S., the righteousness of Islam, the righteousness of China, the righteousness of this or that ethnic group, the righteousness of Greenpeace, the righteousness of the entrepreneur. They all claim to be righteous, but they all try to coerce others into complying with their own standards. They restrain others through huge military power, economic power, political power, or public opinions. I myself have a number of things I believe are right, and some things make me angry. Actually, I'm a person who gets angry a lot more easily than most people, but I always try to start from the assumption that human beings are foolish. I'm disgusted by the notion that man is the ultimate being chosen by God, but I believe there are things in this world that are beautiful, that are important, that are worth striving for. I made the hero a pig because that is what best suited these feelings of mine. That's beautiful. I, I'd love that. I fucking love Miyazaki just the way he speaks, man. He's a yeah. He's oh my god. Well, and in rewatching, in in thinking of the movie now, listening to uh, the quote that Miyazaki said, it in many ways the most refined character, arguably in the entire film. Because uh, I know when you get when we uh, when uh, uh, Curtis, who's sort of like the quote unquote antagonist of the film. Um, because usually in Miyazaki films, there isn't like a strict antagonist. Curtis is kind of an underhanded, underhanded dick. Um, and he's kind of two-timing and he's very womanizing. Um, I was very uncomfortable at, I was very uncomfortable at certain points with Curtis, with some of the stuff that he did in the film. Um, but then you have like, you, then you have Porco Rosso, who is just this really refined, um, very contained person and like uh and after i watched the film i actually went down the rabbit hole a little bit and like read some theories as to because he's never it's never really explicitly stated why he's a pig like there's yeah. no like it's just they just say no. it's a magic spell and that's it and i find yeah, that they, so they kind of like make it so it's like he went through that cloud and then that's kind of it but it, like even then it's not very well explained yeah like it's a it's a i think what's called uh i think they call it a soft magic system like a hard magic system is like uh, i'm gonna get super nerdy because like i used to play like magic the gathering when i was a little um like so like a hard magic system is they explicitly tell you things like this is how it this is how it is um you know you cr- you can generate fire from your hands because of this you can generate you can like create water from your hands because of this whereas this you just 
have no freaking clue. It's just I think um Madame Gina she references it references a spell. Porco Rosa talks about it as a spell as a spell at one point, and then that's really it. And everyone just kind of accepts that he's a pig, and I love that. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. I know. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan, for picking this up. Because again, I'm just like going back and forth between my fugue state right now. <laughs> I'm just like, again. Yeah, no, it makes sense that this is a, yeah, a soft magic system because he's like sort of the only being uh, a person who's affected by this. Like yeah. they, they kind of acknowledge it, but it also doesn't seem like totally out of the realm. It's like, I feel like a lot of people in this world are like, yeah, we've seen stuff like this before, but it's not like seen in the movie. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, this yeah. stuff happens, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fable. It doesn't have to, you know, be, be super explained. Um, yeah. Which so I yeah. like, I like the, like the, the fact that it's like, this is what it is. And I'm not going to like over explain it. Cause I think there's mm -hmm. like a tendency with a lot of these kinds of you know movies um, or stories where they like feel like they have to over-explain like no and like this curse happened at this time because of this thing by this being and it's just like no just like it kind of happened to him and like you know it's him kind of dealing with the fact that he's you know become this pig um, and it's kind of accepted it and you know it's kind of making jokes about it um, even though it is does affect him like it's clearly you know affects him by the end like in that fight. When they're like punch when uh, Porco and uh, Donald are just like punching each other in the water, it's just like, oh yeah, now you're starting <laughs> to see the humanity. Yeah. Um, so so this is what Miyazaki said about Porco Rosa. This was like his kind of pitch. He said Porco Rosa is designed to be a work that businessmen exhausted from international flights can enjoy, even if their minds have been dulled from a lack of oxygen. It must also be a work that boys and girls as well as aunties can enjoy. But we must never forget. But first of all, it is a cartoon movie for tired, middle-aged men whose brain cells have turned to tofu. It sounds like he's calling you out right now, even though you're not middle-aged. <laughs> that is amazing. I, Can, that is amazing. And why is that not a bumper sticker? Like, I know. <laughs> that, yeah, that, makes so much, that makes so much sense. I'm just, wow. And like, even just listening to the quote, to the quotes that you're, that you're, pulling from Miyazaki it really showcases how well he knows this movie and how well and how in uh, how really like for lack of a better term intimate he is with every product with every uh, movie that he creates because like it's I in watching it I really have this feeling of oh I could enjoy this drunk off my ass i could enjoy this probably as like mm -hmm. a kid i could just get something out i could just get something out of it and that's something that i've really appreciated about pretty much all of miyazaki's films is that um like i've watched um one of my like favorite films from him is uh is uh princess mononoke and like i remember watching it when i was like i think like 11 or 12 and now having come back to it as an adult like I gained new insights from it that i did not that i did not get when i was a kid and you know, it's it's so fascinating. It's so fascinating to listen to him to just be like, it's supposed to be for everybody. It's supposed to be for this. It's supposed to be for that. Because it really lets he really knows his audience and he knows like what he knows what people want to see. And he's just it's just so goddamn cool. Like it's just awesome. Yeah, I got I got a few more great quotes. Uh, he said the characters. He uh, I, I have this book of essays from him. I have pick up the name i'll put in the show notes about the name of the book it's fantastic everyone sh should have it because again the way miyazaki speaks is just I, I i love how he articulates things um 
But Miyazaki said the characters must have a seasoned re realism about them. They engage in foolish antics because they also endure hardships, and their simple-mindedness is a result of their lifestyle. He said every character must be treated respectfully. A common mistake he felt animators made was that uh, a common mistake he felt animators made was that drawing a cartoon meant drawing someone sillier than themselves. A mistake that he felt could not be made for this film. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's the knowledge bombs today. I know, yeah. man. Now uh, I feel like I'm in your fugue state <laughs> after hearing that. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah. this 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 film was not intended to uh, to be a 90 minute film. It was originally planned as a short in flight movie for Japan Airlines, but the scope gradually grew. Great He's airline, up. by the way. I just want to shout out Japan Airlines. I've flown with them before. Great airline. I can nice. I can uh, attest to that. I can second that. Absolutely great airline. Why are they Why are they so great? Give me Give me the explanation. Uh, well, they they just like uh, they'll actually provide you meals. The uh, the seats like are like in economy are actually a little bigger. Like they're not like you're not they're trying to jam you all in. Um, you just like good service. Uh, I'm sure if you were like you know flying premium economy or first class, you'd have like a a level s tier level service um and yeah just a comfortable experience all around i can't say that with like a lot of airlines you know whether it's like air canada or WestJet or southwest or whatever um but yeah japan so airlines ba basically malcolm you just want to get sponsored by japan airlines um, yeah i mean yeah i mean that would be that would be ideal i mean we need yeah. uh, we need some sponsorships so like let's like let's get an airline involved and let's no, get an but, asian airline involved <laughs> Japan well, Airlines specifically. Honestly, and I, I completely agree with you because and the thing that really struck me about Japan Airlines when I when I was on them is that they is that it was just immaculate, just incredibly clean. Um oh, uh, yeah. uh great and again, great service, really good food, and I could actually spread out and I'm six one, six two. So like, you know, for me in economy, I'm always just a little bit cramped. And I remember on Japan Airlines being actually very comfortable um when I went when I flew to Japan. And it was just lovely so yay shout out to japan Earth. yeah yeah i will i will say that too like i'm just i'm yeah i'm about six six and so uh i definitely you know i'm definitely uh suffering on most airlines uh and so for me when i like took a when i went to japan a few years ago before the pandemic uh and flew on the japan airlines i was actually surprised by the fact that i was like oh like I wasn't like constantly like having to get up and stretch and everything. I was like, oh, I can like sit here and just like watch my movies. Um. So the f oh wait, I already said this. Uh, Miyazaki intended for the film version to be only forty-five minutes, but it expanded to ninety minutes. Japan Airlines' heavy involvement in the film meant it actually debuted in their airlines well before the official release date. The film's theatrical debut was July eighteenth, nineteen ninety-two. At the time, it was Ghibli's highest-grossing film, making forty-four million dollars. Due to it being part of Japan Airlines, the film was dubbed in English in 1996. This dub was included in the 2002 Japanese release of the film. Disney would issue their own dub of the film when they released it on DVD in February 2005. This dub, as far as the general public is concerned, is the definitive version. Gotcha. Interesting. I wonder. Uh, were, I wonder if the 1996 version uh, with the dubbing, if they ha if they use the same voice actors, or did they use a different no? It's cast? it's it's different. Yeah, it's different. And you know, the the Disney one, of course, you know, has all stars in this. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so Miyazaki, he was taken aback by the success of the film, saying in an interview that during the making of it, he was telling everyone, this one's not going to go well, so don't get your hopes up. <laughs> 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 yeah. Which is ironic, <clears throat> because I think this is actually, of the uh, 
uh, Studio Ghibli or Studio Ghibli, however uh, people pronounce it. Because I've heard people pronounce it both ways. I feel like it's mm. like apricot, apricot. Mm. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I've heard but it. Yeah, I, for me, this is like actually probably my favorite um, uh, Miyazaki film we've covered so far. And like to be to uh, just to put it into perspective, this is like the third one we've covered. Yeah, we did. The Wind uh, Rises and uh, Princess Mononoke. So we don't like cover these movies all the time, um, but this of the three, this is my favorite. And I think most of it is like I do have like some Italian uh, heritage behind me, so I definitely have a soft spot for like all the Italian stuff. Uh, but also, like, I don't know, I'm just, like, so mesmerized by the, like, just, like, the flying scenes and the the planes and, you know, uh, and just, like, kind of, the it's the mix of, like, you sort of set in, like, a reality that's, like, I would call very, like, Casablanca-esque. Like, I kept, like, I kept kind of, like, thinking about Porco Rosso as, like, Rick, like, the Humphrey Bogart character uh, yeah. in, uh, in it. Um and so it's like, and I like have a fondness for that movie. Like it was, you know, it's one of the movies uh, like I've always just loved, like ever since I saw it. Uh, and so I was like, it fairly like I felt very much like, oh, it's like, how do I say this? Um, yeah, I felt very much like, oh, like this has got this like throwback to like these like movies from like the '40s and '50s uh, that are like classics, but also modernized. Yeah, it did have this like sense of whimsy, and I and I feel like with with Porco Rosso because um, uh, because you know they they had Disney did the definitive did this definitive dub in in two thousand two, um, it kind of almost got uh uh un, it almost went under the radar because around that time I remember um it was Spirited Away I think it won uh the Oscar for best animate for best animated film um at uh, the Oscars that year. And then you had um, Howl's Moving Castle, like a couple years later. So like everyone, so and everyone I know of who who is not very invested in in Miyazaki, they usually know Spirited Away and or Howl's Moving Castle. Hmm. And even like when people get into it, get into a little more of that, they go into like, oh, you know, Kiki's Delivery, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, My Neighbor Totoro. Um, but then Porco Rosso just seems to be that sort of the the underdog, like that really that classic that just seems to that just seems to age like a fine wine. Like, um, like like you said, it's just it's very be- it's very beautiful. It uh, like you said, Malcolm, it's very uh, indicative of like you know what we think of as the like the heyday of like you know the thirty the thirties forties fifties and the sense of like and the sense of like whimsy and freedom that the world was just starting to shrink that the world was starting to shrink because of aviation but there was still this sense of freedom that you could get that you could get away from everything um and i absolutely love that about this film yeah i i agree like i think yeah it just has like it's it's funny like i think like when you look at you know some of miyazaki's works after porco road so you kind of see like you know wind rises is definitely like another aviation movie like I think you know how Howl's Moving Castle has a bit of that uh, element too. From what I've seen, I haven't seen all. I've I've only seen a little bit of Howl's Moving Castle. I kind of stopped myself because I was like, "We'll cover it on the podcast." I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take a step back. Um, uh, but yeah, or even like the yeah. So it's it's interesting. You can start seeing like, oh, this is like one of Miyazaki's sort of things that he really loves to like at least touch upon is flight uh yeah, and yeah. he seems to be endlessly fascinated by like how like the modernization of flight 
Absolutely. Which is like again around this time, like this is set in the nineteen late nineteen twenties, and that's when like you know it's kind of crazy to think that like in like the early part of the nineteen hundreds, like nineteen oh eight, is when like the Wright brothers are like you know basically flying like giant paper airplanes on like the sands, uh, like on some random beach, and then like twenty years later, you know you're getting like fighter jets and fighter pilots, and like the military's using them, and they're a metal and they're big and they're loud. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, so I digress. And, uh, just like very quickly with it. Um, and I, I love Miyazaki's animation. And one of my favorite things about him is his attention to detail. Um, the first one that really hit me was, um, in Spirited Away, there's a, where the main character, like Chihiro, like she puts on her shoes and it's done in this very realistic way where, you know, almost every kid had put on their shoes in this way. And I feel like it's the exact same thing with, um with porco rosso particularly with with the airplanes because i looked at the airplane designs and it was just like oh yeah like like you said like malcolm you know in 1903 when the when the wright brothers like you know first took flight it was literally just paper and they talk and in porco rosso they talk about molding the wood and they have these weird engine designs and it's like yeah like during that time period they were still highly experimental because, you know, World War One was not that long ago in the world of Porco Rosso. So they're still trying to figure out, like, what works, what's effect, like, what works, what's effective. And you kind of see that attention to detail. And I think, if I remember correctly, um, uh, Miyazaki uh, has always been fascinated with aviation. And I think his family was involved with it um, as well. And you see just that love and that care and that borderline, like, obsession and passion and love for airplanes and all things all things aviation in this film i think it's like his sort of like magnum opus to the aviation industry i completely agree there yeah i don't yeah that's that's how i see it and then like it's almost like the epilogue of that fascination is the wind rises which i guess a lot of people assumed that was going to be miyazaki's last film but he's obviously got one more coming up next year which is how do you live um, which, well, I'm sure we'll cover. <laughs> uh, um, so, so I do want to uh, fin- finish off what Miyazaki said when he explained uh, why he felt why he was telling people, "Don't get your hopes up." He said, "To my mind, animation is for children." Porco Rosso, Porco Rosso flies in the face of that assumption. Moreover, as a producer, I still think Porco Rosso is too idiosyncratic a film for toddlers to old folks' general audience. That it turned out to be a hit was an unexpected stroke of luck. It's actually kind of disturbing. <laughs> what he finds, he finds i don't know what? he finds <clears throat> miyazaki has such a you know love-hate relationship <clears throat> with the character of marco like yeah he's just like you know he, he he's kind of <clears throat> disgusted by this character but of course um you know he there's obviously parts of him that are in it um but yeah he's I fucking love miyazaki man just the way he describes the stuff he he also complains about the movie um he says the movie was too adult as well in the uh, the Ghibli documentary, uh, The Kingdoms of uh, mm-hmm. Dreams and Madness, which is fantastic. There's a there's a portion of it where he where he kind of shit talks Porco Rosso and and why in his mind it didn't work as a film. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Well, like yeah, this is definitely the most adult one I've seen. Like I wouldn't necessarily be like, yeah, I'm going to show this to like an eight year old. Um, I think they'd just be kind of bored too, to be honest. Aside yeah. From playing but scenes. like I think now you know. Uh, like for me now, like in my you know late twenties, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of the film I want to see, you know. And I think like I appreciate the fact that like at the time he was just like like what you said that that quote earlier of like 
you know, the for what is it, middle aged men whose brains <laughs> are turning into tofu? Yeah. So um, yeah. So basically, us right now, essentially, if we're hungover. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, <laughs> And I'm not hungover. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, even though my voice is kind of going in and out of places that I don't know how to, why it's doing it. Um, but yeah. So is there any more with the history segment? No, let's talk about the movie. Uh, let's get into it. So again, this is, this is a movie uh, set in the year 1929. Porco Rosso is an Italian uh, World War I fighter ace. Uh, and he's also a bounty hunter. Um, first of all, you know, it's the most basic comment one can make, but the animation in this movie is fucking fantastic. It's so timeless. Yep. Love the animation. Like I said, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Um, still uses the traditional cell animation. I know that they, I know that uh, Studio Ghibli switched it in after um, Princess Mononoke. I think that was the last one where they just did strictly hand-drawn. Um, but it is absolutely effing spectacular. It's gorgeous. Um, and actually, funny the funny thing. So uh, here in Los Angeles, uh, as of this recording, at the Academy Museum, they have uh, an exhibit for uh, Miyazaki, and it actually showcases a lot of his a, a lot of his works. And one of them was um, Miyazaki, and they have like you know like like original hand drawn uh, cells um, and you know Miyazaki's notes, and it's just a beautiful a beautiful exhibit. And that was when I first saw some of the scenes of Porco Rosso, and it just really caught my eye because the animation is so Miyazaki, but it is so incredibly gorgeous and it stands out in a way that I think a lot of uh, his other movies, a lot of his other movies just kind of didn't. Cause I think this was, I don't remember when in, in the, in their catalog of films, when Porco Rosso was made, but you could tell that they were still trying to figure out like their voice almost a little bit. Um, and they're trying to do something new and different and experimental. And like, it just, and it just, it's so gorgeous. And I think it's aged even better than like, even, you know, like something like Kiki's Delivery Service, Princess Mononoke, um, uh, Spirited Away. Like, it's just, and again, like Malcolm, you mentioned earlier, like that sort of like the timelessness and that, um, that whimsy of, you know, of yesteryear. Um, yeah. I almost wanted, I almost wanted to hear the, like, what is it? The stereotypical old news voice. Um, for the movie, just that now in this week's news, here we are. Here we are hearing uh, going that's going on on the European front, like that. Yeah, no, I, w I was looking for that too. Like that would have been a you know, a, I think a good way to have opened the movie. Uh, I know they kind of. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, I know they kind of. Um, you know, they do the like the old timey like you know they're in the movie theater at one point and they have like that old like cartoon um, that's sort of like the Mickey Mouse like original Mickey Mouse style. Uh, film, uh, which I appreciated, but yeah, I think it's like missing like a couple of elements that I think if this was produced maybe ten years later, they would have like included. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so in terms of the timeline of when this was made, this was uh, the sixth Studio Ghibli movie and uh, Miyazaki's uh, fourth movie that he had directed. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> let's talk the plot i don't know sorry i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna require uh jordan jordan and malcolm to kind of keep things on track because yeah i uh, know we can do that uh, <laughs> i am pork i am porco rosso i'm just vibing oh wait i do love how the first uh thing we see of porco is that he's reading in a ladies magazine <laughs> and oh yeah he, he gets, i love that so much 
it's like oh I, and i remember that introduction and thinking um like uh, it was that old uh uh thing on the disney channel it was called a uh, tailspin like again yeah. like that that sense of yesteryear and like you can totally like i it really just kind of semblances his character as well because like he's almost a sort of lovelorn like lovesick per, uh, uh, individual, but he's just kind of like married to the sea and married to freedom. And he's this like just wanderer. Um, and it's really beautiful. And even like that um, when he goes after he uh, like gets the call for, I think it's the um, it's an attack. It's an attack. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a pirate attack. Yeah. yeah a pirate attack. Yeah. And, and you know, he's kind of hesitant, but then he's, he's informed that, you know, there's some schoolgirls involved. Yeah. And he's like, well, now I got to go and help them. <laughs> Apparently, that's my Michael Keaton voice as Porco Rosso, um, which, I yeah. heard, which I have not heard. So it's gonna. No, be Michael so Keaton's doing a voice that like, like, kind of like straddles like a couple of his other characters, where you're just like, at, at times you're like, oh, I think he's doing like a Humphrey Bogart impression, and then other times it's like, I feel like he's just like seconds away from slipping into his like Beetlejuice voice, uh, like cool. you know, and then other times it's like his Batman voice, and you're like, okay, um, what's happening here? <laughs> but, I like it. I, I appreciated I it. I, I mean, like it, it's nice that like he was the choice. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he's a fan. I mean, when I when I tell people about Porco Rosso, I'm like, "Yo, Michael Keaton's the lead in this." I'm like, "Michael Keaton's the lead in an animated film." Like, what the fuck? Um, and I think he does an excellent voice performance. Oh yeah, I mean, I think like I think about it like, and I I kind of think that like Michael Keaton is sort of underratedly like probably one of my favorite actors. Like, I think there's a stretch of time where he kind of disappears from films. Like, like I got to like he just like did this run of like movies that just you know, weren't that great, but like he kind of, like he sort of came back like back in like 2010. And then it was kind of, you know, really cemented himself as like, no, I'm one of the better ones of my generation. Yeah. Um, now he's fantastic. And now he gets to be Batman again. <laughs> it's so exciting. Um, it, and it's interesting because like listening to you guys talking about Michael Keaton, cause like I uh, only watching the, the, um, the subtitle version, who is it? The, uh, the leader of uh, Porco Rosa, his name is, uh, I'm going to probably butcher his name. I apologize. Shui, uh, Shui Chihiro Moriyama. And like, oh. he was incredible. He had just this really like gruff quality to his voice, but this, but a real tenderness as well. And I thought that that was super difficult to pull off because you have, you know, there's this creepy ass pig dude, but you have to like love him like right. And he's looking at a, he's looking at, you know, a magazine with a book with women in it and he's just you gotta love him right off the bat because he's the main character um and i think that he at least like uh moriyama like he just did a spectacular job like the whole entire japanese voice cast was absolutely incredible um and i loved and i loved all of them so now you guys talking about the the english version now i'm gonna have to go back and watch it dubbed so like i'm very very excited to, to like compare and contrast yeah i mean yeah i, I want i want to watch the uh I mean, again, if it wasn't for the fact that my wedding plans, uh, I, I, so fucking funny. I told for this wedding, I told everyone like, oh, I'm gonna leave, leave by nine or ten, and then of course, um, it was open bar, uh, and once my my anxiety was uh, uh, completely alleviated after a situation, I was just like, all right, well, I've got a blank check to get fucked up. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, you're it's the method. Uh, you're doing method podcasting, I think is what it, what it, the term is. I'm now yeah. copywriting that. It's you know trademark pending. 
Copywriting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, Jack, about- you know, uh, very famous method podcaster. <laughs> and I was talking about this movie to to the people at the wedding party like last night. A uh, friend of the show, my cousin Alex, who's been on this podcast, he was he apparently had been telling the the people at the um on the Friday night of the wedding there was like a, a pre party or something. I didn't go to that because I chose to see Doctor Strange instead. Um, but yeah, he was apparently telling them about Porco Rosso as well. So yeah, this is again like such a delightful film. It's so fucking timeless. Um, I just really like the characters again. Even like Curtis, who is like I know like kind of a dick, but I, I he's 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 yeah. endearingly so. Well, and he's really cool because we don't meet him. We we meet him like once. Uh, once Porco like you know saves saves uh, saves the girls, saves the fairy. Yeah. Because um, then he goes to the what is it the Hotel Adriano, mm-hmm. and that's where yeah. we meet. Pork, that's where we meet Curtis, and then that's where we also meet um, Gina. And I yeah. love Gina. Gina's uh, G- I mean, every character. I mean, listen, there, there, there's quite every a few speed wagons. Gina. There's quite a few speed wagons uh, in this movie. I mean, I love the character of uh, Fio. She's a fantastic. I mean, again, Ghibli fr- films are known for their uh, fantastic female protagonists, and she's great. Um, yeah, and like, and it was so inter- It was so interesting because like they. If I remember the the plot, after, like if I remember correctly, like basically, um, uh, one because Porco, like he basically goes to the Hotel Adriano. It's run by his friend Gina, and that was like the first time when they sit down and have the conversation where, um, where Porco and Gina, where Porco and Gina talk like old friends, and uh, Gina calls him Marco, and that's I think she's the only I think she's the only person who calls Porco by his actual name, Marco. Okay, oh. I think so, I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Gina would make like it makes sense because yeah, they're old friends, but also it's like you know, it's kind of implied, um, not that subtly, that like you know, Gina's kind of in love with uh, Porco slash Marco. Yeah, um, am, I, am I? Did I misread that or no, like? Dude, that's not no, misread no, at like, all. That's very accurate. Yeah, she's insert, definitely in, insert like uh, insert obligatory joke about Gina wanting his bacon here yeah <laughs> oh my Cause, god because good guy because good guy it's it's real and it's really cute too because um it, and i love gina because she it's clear that she has a thing for for uh porco um and and does care for him very very deeply but is also very um refined and is and basically is trying to watch out for herself because she says she has makes it a point to say that you know she wasn't uh, I think she was married and basically her husband like was a pilot and died. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. She's, she's had three, uh, three, yeah. three husbands, uh, one who died in the war, one who died in the Atlantic and the other who died in Asia. Yep. Um, so she's very wary and she's very guarded. And that, even just that short conversation, there's just, there's so much depth and there's so much dimension added to Gina's mm. character and also her relationship with Porco. And it, again, like you said, it, like you said, it's, um uh uh Miyazaki films are just well known for their well their uh, w- uh their very layered characters and just that short scene was just it hooked that hooked me immediately um as far as the character development mhm uh what was it uh let's talk let's one of my favorite characters i love the pirates in this movie <laughs> the pirates are so great <laughs> The pirates are so strange, and I love them. And they're just all uh, over the place. And yeah, this is motley band. There's this motley band. It really reminded me of like a uh, um oh lord, uh Pirates of the Caribbean, like yeah. that sort of like motley crew. Just jovial, love- just fun loving. I love him so much. And again, I love the fact that, like Brad Garrett's in this. He plays the head pirate Capo. 
<laughs> was this? Yeah, this is the yeah. Yeah, he's he's just he's got such a great voice. Like I think that's the yeah. thing. Like you know, he's got that like deep, distinctive voice that it's just like, oh yeah, this works. Yeah, Brad Brad Garrett's an underrated uh, voice actor. I feel I think he's like he does like a really good job. He does have one of those voice uh, one of those voices where immediately whenever you hear him, um, you know exactly who it, you know exactly who it is, and you know you're in for a good time. Like uh, what uh, the other one for me is obviously you know like Mark Hamill, um, but also uh, Keith David. Um, just has this very distinct voice where you hear it and you go, oh, I am paying attention now because mm. whatever this is, is going to be good. Yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't know he voiced Eeyore in the in two. Um, he, he did Christopher Robin and he did Ralph Breaks the Internet as Eeyore. Good for him. What? That's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's he's, nice. a, he's the new Eeyore, I suppose, because I guess the, a lot of the Eeyores are, are old and dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, they've been making those... Uh... Those yeah, cartoons uh, probably since the, like the fifties or sixties, <laughs> and like that. Yeah, um, and and what was it? Um, uh, oh god, what what happens next after? Oh yeah, we get to meet Curtis. Yeah, who is just incredible and just yeah. great stereotypical American. Um, <laughs> just great. Like as like as like as an American, I can say he's just exactly all of us to a T. <laughs> very. Very self-involved, very self-righteous, um, and I love the fact that he wanted to be an actor. He wanted to be an actor too. I was like, "Oh God, I feel very called out right now." Thank yeah. you. He's a. I mean, again, you know, the uh, the film I think of when I think of uh, Curtis and his uh, his dreams are you know, Inglorious Bastards, and there's that uh, sniper guy who becomes like a propaganda uh, oh, hero or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Curt- Curtis has kind of kind of got that idea. <laughs> I love the po- when you see the poster of Curtis at the end of the film of like uh, is like Western or whatever movie he's in. I just love love how they drew that because again, it just just straight up looks like one of those posters from that era. Uh, I was gonna say I'm dating myself here, but have either of you ever seen The Rocketeer? I, yeah, I have uh, seen The Rocketeer. I, I know of it. I know of yeah, it. Yeah, I've seen The Rocketeer. I re- I enjoyed that movie a lot as a yeah, kid. Yeah, so like immediately, so it takes place in like the 30s, and basically like you know, it's a it's a it's a uh, an American who like uncovers like a top secret like jetpack, and he becomes a superhero. And um, you find out that one of like that the antagonist is basically this big time um actor in Hollywood, uh, and it's played by Timothy Dalton. And uh, Timothy Dalton is like peak like actor in that time period he's got the mustache he's like you know do like the first time he like and he's such a dick too because like the first time he's doing a fight uh, uh a rapier uh fight scene and you know with uh with uh with the rapiers the stabbing swords and he accident he quote unquote accidentally stabs his co-star because he doesn't want him to eat up more of his screen time and it's just like i imagine just an amalgamation of like that character um like with like like him like mixed with curtis like he's just got that very big bravado that he falls in love with gina on the spot um which he does have a feel too which is again yeah. kind of weird well he like you know i i kind of think of like if we're going like sort of that old you know those actors from like like I'm using quotes here, like the golden age of cinema, you know, it's like Donald Curtis reminds me a lot of like Errol Flynn, like, and just yeah. like his mannerisms and like, he's like Errol yeah. Flynn, but like with like the ambitions of like a Charles Lindbergh. Um, yeah. But all, yeah. Like just like, we like, but also like weirdly has like some Ronald Reagan-esque-ness to him of just like, yeah, wanting to be like going from 
I'm going to be a fighter pilot too. I'm going to be an actor too. I will be president. <laughs> like it's just, um, you know, God, it's kind of got everything. But, visi- but visibly, like, and it's very clear, at least to me, that like Donald Curtis is supposed to look like Errol Flynn. Um, who's oh, like, you know, was known for like all these like swashbuckling movies back in the day. Like he was, he was known as like, he did all the pirate, those fifties pirate movies. Um, uh, um, what yeah. was it? Um, there, there's a, there's a fun quote uh, when, when uh, someone tells Porco, I think it might be Piccolo, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but someone says, if you make money from war, you're scum. If you can't make money from bounty hunting, you're an idiot. <laughs> I think that is him. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think. Isn't, it's he, isn't that like a quote? He's like, "Oh, that's from a screenplay I wrote." Like he quotes his like he has that like one of that those lines when he meets Gene in the garden where he's like he has this like big quote. No, and I, I, like I wrote that in my screenplay, which I found very funny. No, I don't think that's a, the right is, quote, but this is a Porco. Yeah, this is this isn't a Porco. Oh, is that a Porco not? quote? Oh, I thought you were still talking. Or, about no, I'm not Curtis. sure if it was. Porco, you know, I, I think it might be Piccolo who says it, or maybe Porco, but it's in a scene where they're present. Um, the other thing, too, mm. I love the I love the scene in the film where Porco uh, goes to the movie theater and just watches a cartoon. So you're watching a cartoon, watching a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, um, I I like that. That was fun. And there's also that that fantastic line featured in it uh, where he says, "Better be a better to be a pig than a fascist." True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I, do, I do appreciate it. He's just like I don't. Uh, I only fly for myself. Yeah. You know, what is this? Oh yeah. So th- oh so this is the Mussolini government that's forming. Okay. Shit. Yeah. No. I mean, this movie said 1929. So like, yeah. Uh, Fox Mussolini government's coming. You know, um, which makes sense because like you know again the wind rises. Like to kind of compare if these were like you know almost sibling movies. You they know, are. It's really all about are. the rise of like the Japanese imperial well, you know, and, army. And isn't this one of uh, Miyazaki's few films where like there's a distinctive time period? Like in in most of his other films, there's there's always this sense uh, of this sense of time, this sense of timelessness. Like you know, it could be. Um, you know, this could be done in like you know the seventies. This could be done in an alternate uh, an alternate timeline. This could be done in the fifteen hundreds. Like this one, it's like no, this is definitive definitive 1920s like mediterranean 1920s mediterranean um yeah i'd say yeah yeah i was gonna say yeah this this in like the wind rises are very clearly set like yeah in the like the 20s 30s um but yeah sorry i interrupted you no no you're good it just it was just really interesting that they brought that they brought that element in um and really kind of brought it into the real real world uh using like real world events because it's it's scary because later in the movie you just find out that basically there's like a bounty on Porco's head, which is wild. Um, that was kind of thrown from left field for me. Uh, I, there, yeah. There's another thing when Porco is getting paid and he just says, I got to pay for meals, hotel rooms, and more meals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, there's again, just this- these little things added. It's great. Yeah, I mean, again, these characters are just, you know, they're just so... Uh, well crafted and just the quotes and yeah the script is just so good um yeah uh the the script that curtis uh has commissioned is called the rose of the adriatic oh god i know again i just i just love how the um again there's just like such a strong sense of like time and place in this movie you know what i mean yeah 
and yeah, you just like want to you just want to live there you just like want to you know chill and just like go get into one of these planes and just relax well and it, and it was just really like beautiful in times and again you know we talked about the the animation but like especially the, yeah. the scenes where everyone's flying even when they're doing dog fights like um like the the dog fight like later on in the film with with curtis and uh, and porco where they do the 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 duel together like they're basically trying to fight each other to the death but you don't really but you kind of don't care to a certain extent because like the animation is just so damn pretty and then it's like oh yeah that's right they're trying to you know shoot each other out of the air and basically kill each other um yeah it's it's like oh yeah that oh my god that's that's insane exactly <laughs> uh where what what else should we talk about i, I almost kind of want to jump ahead but fuck we haven't um, really even talked about um uh was it theo uh, theo uh, yeah, yeah. piccolo and like her relationship with porco like in you know how she like you know basically becomes like his i guess his sidekick right as yeah. a mechanic yeah no it's uh, like well because basically because i know we we kind of missed it like so basically like uh curtis gets really uh, gets pissed at Porco because he tracks him down and basically because uh, Porco's basically going on vacation. He's flying to Milan because um, he's trying to get his plane service because and we see evidence of like his plane kind of getting messed being messed up and having issues. And basically they have this dog fight in the air and Curtis wins sort of, but really only because Porco's uh, plane just kind of gives out. And then Curtis is like, you know, grabs like a piece of like a piece of the plane and says that he killed that he killed him. And then, you know, he just goes to Milan. He lets Gina uh, Porco lets Gina know that he's actually going to Milan to get his plane repaired by by Piccolo, his mechanic. Hmm. And then there. And now we're at Piccolo and, and Fio. Yeah, no. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. And I guess that's one of the reasons he's back in Italy is because like, he's like, I'm not going with any other like random mechanic. He's going to go with his guy yeah. uh, who happens, you know, Mr. Piccolo who happens, you know, obviously he's in Milan, <laughs> um, which I appreciate. I appreciate that loyalty, that loyalty to, uh, to Mr. Piccolo, <laughs> I guess. Um, and then, Yeah. Well, and it was weird again, you know, using the time, using the time placement, um, like uh, Piccolo's sense, because I think um, Porco was kind of surprised because he almost actually left because um, he found out that Piccolo's sons, he they went elsewhere because of the they went to find other work because of the Great Depression, which again time placement, um, because that had just hit, and um, then Piccolo says, oh, you know, but this is you know you're going to be fine, you're in great hands because uh, you're going to uh, my granddaughter's going to take care of your plane. And Porco's kind of like, wait, what? You're a 17-year-old girl. I don't know about this. And then she stays up like the whole night basically creating plan like creating a um uh, a new blueprint essentially uh, of how they're going to not only bring the plane back to its former glory, but to improve upon it. And he's just kind of won over by that. By like how damn by like how damn committed she is, how passionate she is, and how talented she is. And she's so spunky. Like I love that, especially like in like in this time period. Like it's so, at least from what I know of it. Like, like characters like this were very like sort of the uh, a result of like you know the early twenties and and women kind of kind of um, venturing more out and being and being able to um, come more into their own as people. And like it was so cool again, like having that character having that character come out and basically kind of put Porco in his place. And be like, no, fuck yeah. you. I'm, I'm amazing. Like, shut up, shut up. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be awesome, and your plane's gonna kick ass, and you're gonna, and you're gonna love me for it. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, I love that. Like when he's just like, you know, I'm a fugitive, right? And she's like, well, you're gonna be, I'm gonna be your hostage. And like, he's she's already thought out. Like it's like you know, so like you know, you know, Piccolo, you know, my you know, my grandfather and like the rest of the family can be like, oh, you took me hostage, like as a way to get around the fact that like she's actually gonna be like the mechanic and her like a salaried employee and uh and like I like like that's sort of those smart like calls uh I appreciated yeah. and just like the fact that like Piccolo um oh not Piccolo um you know Porco Rosso wasn't that phased by the fact that it's like oh it's a woman is my mechanic like he's just like I'm a pig and like like this is you know this makes sense so like let's you're the best at this so let's just go and you know work together yeah and uh and I also like shout out to um to Porco's like um old friend uh, from the from the uh police force um home, uh the the air force pilot that he met oh god what is his name Bellini Yeah I think it's Bellini Yeah like he was ah oh, he was he was I I really liked his character um I cuz he's the one who like tips off Porco to the fact that you know the secret police is going to be follow is following you they're trying to you know like arrest you because of this bounty and Porco's just kind of like whatever um so cool so i'm just gonna go and like watch a movie and just hang out and you know wait for my uh wait for my plane to be fixed and improved upon and it's kind of incredible yeah i mean like i said i love that scene in the theater it just looks so good <laughs> it's so meta um it, it's so meta and again fuck man this movie's so pretty it's so pretty i just love the colors i just love well you know what you know fuck words I just want to chill in Porco Rosso. I just want to chill in Porco Rosso. I want to have some of that spaghetti that they have when uh, that uh, in the morning um, b- before they start repairing Porco's plane, which I don't know why, but like my first reaction when I saw when I saw it with my friend was, wait, they're having spaghetti for breakfast. They're having pasta for breakfast. And she's like, yes, it's Italy. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I don't know why that just got to me. But I was just like laughing hysterically because like, again, it's that attention to detail because like everyone's eating, everyone's doing this there. Miyazaki just has this, this just unbelievable skill to just have to pay incredible attention to detail to what humans do naturally, like putting on shoes, eating, um, you know, like watch, like when, when wind hits us, uh, I love the scene where, um, uh, where they're, where they're testing the new engine. Um, for the plane and it fly and you know the and you see like the the little panes of met the little like uh, metal on the actual shed not quite giving away but you can see the ripples that the air currents are giving off of it and i just love just this attention to detail it's so goddamn pretty Mm -hmm. um so there's this one scene where um fio actually uh briefly sees marco's true face too i thought that was beautiful yeah um, and I, I love the, there's so many theories behind like why like Porco Rosso like is a pig and when, what happens. And I think one of the most prevailing theories is it's because Porco sees him, like sees himself as that he kind of got, um, uh, almost distrusts humanity. Um, and again, it's, this is never explicitly stated in the film. This is all like, this is all like, yeah, this is all, uh, stuff. yeah. But like, it was just that really interesting thing. Cause like, he's, he's a handsome dude. Like, and again, I, like Malcolm, I love the fact that you kind of drew comparisons between Porco and Errol Flynn because he look when you see him, he looks like kind of like Errol Flynn. Yeah. Or wait, no, that was Curtis. I'm sorry. No, that was Curtis. Um, but he also like, like, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Errol Flynn is like, you know, was famous for like that pencil mustache, like the thing. Yeah. And like, I would, I think there is like, 
I would probably, I think there's a better argument to be made that like um, Porco or, uh, you know, or Marco when he's not Porco. Yeah. looks more like, uh, like Errol Flynn um, than like Donald does, but it's like, they both like, that's the thing. Like you you were talking about earlier, uh, how there's not really a villain in like, you know, these like Miyazaki movies. Like there's like, there's always like a, you know, a looming threat, but like, it's not, there isn't like a specific, like, here's the bad guy. And like, we got to defeat this bad guy. And it's like, you know, I think that's the thing is, is like the fact that like, you know, Porco in his human state and Donald both look similar. It's sort of like, oh, these people are probably could have been like best friends at, uh, yeah. at, you know, and at one point, like they like, there's like a camaraderie there that could have, that's like not fulfilled, you know, like it's, you know, that's kind of how I view it. I like that. Yeah. I'm so sorry, you guys. Again, I love this movie, but I just don't have much to say because I'm just, you know. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll keep talking. We'll keep we're, talking. We're making, we're making up for you again. You're in that method. You're in the, you're in the, the uh, method podcaster. So I did. Um, there is, there is one thing I did tell Malcolm. I did kind of hype this up to him. And, and, you know, I did tell you before this is what I consider to be uh, Miyazaki's horniest movie. This movie um, was not horny. I want to, I want to say that right now. You <laughs> lied to me, Jack. Jack, this is not a horny. This is a, this is a horny movie for people who've been castrated. All right. Like that's what. Like there was like this movie was not horny at all in my opinion, and maybe I'm a product of the Pornhub generation. But, uh, but I think I think by Miyazaki standards, having having seen his films, I mean Porco definitely does fuck. Same with Curtis. Yeah, I mean they do fuck, but it's like I thought like you're gonna like there was gonna be something more to it. Um, like I was like, oh no, they're gonna do like when. Um, Theo like runs into the water. Like I was like, oh, that's when it's like this. Is, like when it's gonna get like racy. And I was just like, no, she's no, like it... basically fully clothed when she runs into the water. Um, and I guess she's you know he's got the like the magazine at the top of it. But for whatever reason, I thought because it's like Italian, like this movie's like you know like set with like Italian characters. That when you were like this is a horny movie, uh, I, I was expecting like something like more overt like maybe something a little more obvious uh than what it was but yeah i wouldn't i don't know i wouldn't have classified this as a horny movie before watching but it could be his horniest one by the standards of of, of miyazaki who knows yeah, there's I mean, really not a lot of like lo- like quote-unquote like love interest in in most of miyazaki's movies i saw it more as like a i don't know like a almost like not an idealization of 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 women like because again like mm-hmm. curtis he just basically sees a woman and he just goes i'm going to instantly marry you like he proposes to gina on the spot like when he meets feel for the first time he like falls in love with her and then that kind of that kind of is a catalyst for like the end for like the other du- for like the the sort of rematch duel between curtis um and and porco but it's just like that it was i i again i don't know about you guys but once the, curtis like did the proposal to feel and everything like that i was a little uncomfortable uh just because it was like Theo's and I don't I don't know how it is in the dub but at least in the subtitle version she's 17 which is weird because I'm like look I understand that this is a different time period I get that but still she's 17 she is a child that is weird stop it you weird horny man stop it yeah I mean this is I mean there's there's far worse animes that have that have done this but you know the uh the age of consent laws in Japan are much different than the states yep. so what they consider I mean it's like yeah age of consent is 14 there fuck <laughs> <laughs> Yeah well that and that's why when you sh- see shit like Evangelion you're like oh that's why they can get a 
they they can quote unquote get away with what they do in that series. Ugh. Boggles my mind. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah man. I mean, I guess like if we're yeah, if we're I think it's what it is is that in with other things we watched which have been so horny and it's like so when I like when you say like oh this is the horniest movie I I kind of was expecting something more along the lines of like stuff we've watched in the past uh that this is like very tame in comparison <laughs> um you know this is pg horny um if if that makes sense yeah uh D- disney horny <laughs> um even, what, i wouldn't what? even say this is disney horny i feel like there's hornier disney movies <laughs> than this yeah uh, i i can i can agree with that and yeah it uh, like I wouldn't consider like Miyazaki movies. Yeah, I don't like like I don't, I'm not going into it being like I hope this makes me horny. <laughs> like I'm like no, I'm here for like a great story, incredible visuals, like you know, like you know, like I'm here to be immersed in a world. Uh yeah. but who knows, maybe how do you live uh will be an incredibly horny movie. But I doubt it. <laughs> I just love so, the fact that we're, that we're talking about hor- we're talking about horniness and Miyazaki in the same sentence. Like that to me, that just boggles my mind. It's almost an oxymoron. It really like, is. Like, like, <laughs> it really, really I've is. I've never thought of a Miyazaki film as like horny, but now I'm like, wait, well, yeah. In comparison to the rest of his films, I can see that. But also, there's like virtually nothing as far as that in any of his films that I can recall. So. so no. So the space pirates, uh, or not the space pirates, the regular pirates. <laughs> fuck, different movie. Yeah, different what do you movie. think this is? A space the air, movie? The air pirates. Air pirates. Uh, they kidnap Fio. Um, what, what, what do you think this is? Uh, spirits Within? Um, oh, yeah, fuck. <laughs> um, no, I, I love Brad Garrett's uh, Pirate Lido Capo. There's, there's a... There's a scene where um, they're taking a photo, and uh, all all the pirates are behind uh, Capo and, and Fio. And right um, as they're about to take the photo, the uh, all the other pirates behind him just completely like fall apart and just Does like he, fall like, down. Or something like that. Yeah, he like hits them, and they just all fall down. I was like, but, uh, God, like what a du- like what a douche. But but man, fucking like fucking like you know, amazing 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 play. Honestly, yeah. like yeah. you know, that's yeah. the goat right there. Capo also, you know, has incredible fit. I love what he uh, what he's wearing. What was he wearing? I'm trying to think of what he's wearing. Yeah, I'm like um, I'm gonna look it up right now. <laughs> the power of the internet. Um, yeah. Dun 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 dun. This is the this is the whole this is the whole. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. He's got the like his pinstripe pink suit. Yeah. With like. Um, like you know, he's got his like little uh, rosaries, uh, green bow tie, classic aviation helmet, <laughs> just yeah. the biggest beard oh. ever. Dude, yeah, okay, won. that is a good one. That, I should have, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, no, that would have that would that's for the next one, I suppose. One where one where I have more outrageous colors. Um, <laughs> what was it? Um, you wouldn't look. You wouldn't look out a place at an Italian wedding in uh, in this suit. That's for sure. True. Uh, so, anyways, this whole film it culminates in a duel between uh, Porco and uh, Curtis, and you know the the duel is fantastically animated, um, and I love it when it turns into a fucking boxing match at the end, where they're just these two people who are just like you know they're pretty pathetic at this point. It's basically just an all-out, you know, we are doing this more for honor as opposed to anything else, and we're just trying to one-up. It means, and it is, it is truly machismo in its in its finest, most purest form. I.e., two knuckleheads beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, to prove a point. 
And their faces are completely swollen. They look disgusting. I love it. <laughs> it's just, it's such a weird scene because, like, you know, they keep shooting at each other. They keep shooting at each other and then their guns jam and then they, you know, they, the, the bare knuckle boxing match basically just kind of goes because, because uh, Porco does end up winning because I think Gina shows up and just kind of, you know, says, hey, what the hell? Like, get, get up, get up, you idiot. And that's what stir- and that's what stirs him. And again, it's just that nice, like, just like bounce of machismo. It's like, wait, the woman of my dreams is he- is here, and she's calling me out. I must not look like a fool in front of this other man. <laughs> like, it's so effing weird. And he looks like they look, as you said, they look horrible. Like they look like they fell out of an, out of an ugly tree and hit every single branch on the way down. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that's kind. Of, that's kind of it, really. Um, Porco hands Fio over to Gina, and then uh, he tells her to look after her. And then Fio, Fio gives Porco a little kiss. I will say, I felt that kiss was incredibly unearned. I was like, when that happened, I was like, what? Why? <laughs> uh, maybe I was more invested in the fact that I felt like Porco and Gina were a better f- couple. Yeah, uh, or fit. And maybe it was more of like an like a because I had like if it was just like a kiss on the cheek, I feel like that would have been more fitting. Because I felt like it just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, it was just like a very left field moment, that kiss. I was just like, ah. Huh. I didn't think that it was unearned. I think it, because, you know, back in, you know, I think back in the day, um, like, a lot of people, they showed affection to friends or, uh, or you know, family members by, like, kissing each other on the lips. Like, I remember, like, you know, going to family gatherings, and that happened on occasion. Um, so it felt more, it didn't feel, it didn't feel romantic at all it felt more of this sense of just uh res- of like respect and love and caring um, yeah i guess that, that's fair I, I, I guess i guess that's a fair yeah that's a fair comment uh i just was like i guess the way it like happened i was just like oh and then maybe i have to remember it. it's like oh no they're italian there's different yeah. well <laughs> um, there's just like different cultural standards and like again it's just that sense of like affection and respect at least that's how i saw it um, cause they, I think G, like the whole reason why, like they kind of stopped the fight and why Gina goes over is because like the Italian air force is coming over to basically come over and try and arrest Porco and Curtis and, and all these freelancers because, you know, you found out, found out like you find out earlier in the film that the Italian air force is basically recruiting, um, other pilots and basically kind of, um, outlawing, you know, bounty hunters. So basically the choices for a pilot are swiftly becoming either join the air force or be running from the law forever. So the whole reason why Porco hands uh, feel over to Gina is because he and he and Curtis actually like basically lure the Italian Air Force away from everyone else. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Like that's yeah, that's totally um, that's totally plausible. Yeah, because I was thinking about that. It's like oh yeah, no, it's like because like there is that like the element of like because the fight happens. And there's like so many people around it and then the water. I love there was a small moment of like when they're fighting and then there's like these two chairs that are in the water that they sit down to like sort of like rest up to like go into like the next round, like as if it was like a legit boxing match between I the two. I love that. That was I, so funny. Like that small detail. I was just like, I just love the fact that someone was like, we got to bring out the chairs. <laughs> and like just like putting them in the water. Um, I would be, yeah, it was just like those small moments are like, yeah, I think what, you know, really make a miyazaki movie like stand above the rest it's just yeah. like oh yeah like it's no one's like addressing it like it's not just like oh i got these chairs it's just like oh it's just there and it's part of the background and the visuals of this fight which is like by the way just like a, just, yeah a mix of this like pretty gritty fight of like 
they're losing teeth and they're bruised and they're bloody and they're like you know they got those like uh, goose eggs on their head but at the same time some of the punches are very like comedic of like you know you know uh donald just like punching uh porco russo like on the top of the head almost like he's like got a mallet for like his fists and like i don't know it was just it was really well done that way um and you believed all of it like again oh yeah it was all earned it was it was like really cool like just to have that to have that fight because again like that i just saw it as like just one just one giant you know machismo match of like you know who's who's the better who's the better dude um but even like the bare knuckle bare knuckle boxing like it just it the the fight even all of like the punch again like i love miyazaki's realism and like every single punch everything like that like i've studied martial arts for many many years and like and i love like watching all that and the physics of that bare knuckle boxing match like the uh like the physics of those of those dog fights um that we see it's all very realistic and it all just completely works aside from you know the fact that they look you know they have all these swollen parts and missing teeth and everything like that like it like everything every punch everything that you see you like i felt it um even the comedic stuff you go oh that that looked like it hurt that was ooh that was awful and again that just kind of demonstrates and kind of uh uh how how much attention to detail there is in just every single frame yeah oh, exactly for sure. i mean this is a movie i wouldn't be surprised to like to rewatch like just to like kind of get like have that second viewing of like okay i want to like really and like feel what i'm you know what i'm seeing like i because there's i feel like there's so many smaller details that i keep being like oh like I can't, I'm like, because I'm kind of like right now scanning the movie back and forth just to make sure, like I'm like getting, remembering everything, um, correctly. And there's like, there's even just smaller, like just moments and frames. It's like all oh, so beautifully drawn, and like, put together. Also, yeah. did we? Sorry, did we cover the 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 story that Porco tells Vio? No, no, we should. Yeah. Oh. It's so, that's so goddamn pretty. Um, what is it? Uh, oh, good Lord. I'm, I'm blanking on how, like, it starts, I'm blanking on how it starts, but, like, basically, like, um, Fio wants to hear a bedtime story, and so, like, that's when we kind of discover, like, the connection between Porco and Gina, because I, uh, I think it was his friend Bellini. I think that was Gina's, Gina's last husband that was lost. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then basically like they, they end up their they're attacked, they're attacked. I think, uh, they're attacked, um, in world war one. And they, and basically like he, uh, Porco and his friends are ambushed. And basically he's the only pilot that survives. And he enters like a cloud to, 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 to basically like get away from his pursuers. And then he blacks out and then finds himself like above the clouds in like complete stillness. And essentially sees all of these airmen who who died and who died in the dogfight including his friend bellini basically rise up like rise up to the clouds and basically fly up um up towards infinity up towards up towards the space and it's just this beautiful sequence that i think is very like very little words but it's just this gorgeous gorgeous um uh storytelling and that's when i think uh, feel like starts to see his true face like his marco's true face for the first time yeah uh, yeah and it's i mean that i love the dog fights sequence like it was just like kind of like jaw dropping i was just like holy crap like it's like just it's like one of those things it's just one of those sequences that you like you couldn't do like live action 
Like there's just like, yeah. it's like almost impossible to if, pull to pull it off. If they ever try to do a live action version of any of Miyazaki's films, I I will give up. I'll be like, nope, screw this. Nope, 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 nope. Because there is there's certain things you can't get a, you can only get away with in animation. There's only certain things that you know you can only do that only a Miyazaki film can do. Um, and and this is one of them <laughs> is is just painting this beautiful beautiful at, uh, atmosphere and really like. It really cemented for me um, uh, Porco and Gina's relationship and part of the reason why they feel weird, like neither of them really kind of admit admit their feelings to each other because I think I think Porco was um, Bellini's like best man or involved in his wedding. Like they literally could not, uh, like they had the wedding and they couldn't get, le- and like uh, Bellini couldn't get leave. Um, and so then they literally went out, like went back to base like and then flew like the next day yeah i loved it i loved it man and this movie so it ends uh with uh theo she reveals uh in an epilogue curtis did become a famous actor um she uh became president of the piccolo company which now makes aircraft and uh she doesn't reveal whether um gina's hope about porco was ever realized but uh we do see a red plane docking by gina's garden and then this film also has a post credit scene uh, where the Red Sea plane appears soaring in the sky before disappearing into the clouds. Yeah, suck it, Marvel. You I know, do- man. He's actually doing it way before you guys. <laughs> exactly. No, I love it. It's just like a nice little coda to the whole thing. And I think it's an implication that uh, Porco finally became human again. I agree. I kind of, I do. I think like... This is sort of his journey to like yeah, become human again. That's this is what the movie's about. So and here's like, a th- here's the thing though. They actually once considered doing a sequel to this movie. Um, oh. Yeah, in 2011, Miyazaki said he wanted to do make a follow up to it, and the film's working name was Porco Rosso: The Last Sortie, and it was supposed to be set during the Spanish Civil War, uh, with Porco appearing as a veteran pilot. Um, but then the studio uh, later said the sequel is not in their plans anymore. Thank but. God. Yeah. Thank God. I mean, no. Yeah, I, I mean, Ghibli's Ghibli's have never done sequels, anyways. Um, not to my knowledge, at least looking at the filmography. Yeah, they I, haven't. Yeah. The, sometimes there are films that like just have just have this perfect ending where you just don't where you're just you're done. Like, stop it. You're done. It's a beautiful ending. Please don't ruin it. It's like um. The, the one that comes to mind is uh, Pixar's like Toy Story 3. Like that to me was the like the perfect ending for the toys. And yeah. then Toy Story 4 came out, which was still a good film, but it was just like, oh, come on. I man. didn't I didn't even bother watching Toy Story to- 4. To- like for to- me, like I was like Toy Story 3 was sort of like the ending. Like it just like it like like I felt like I was like kind of perfectly like fit. Like I cried in the theater because uh, I did watch it in theater with my friends. And then. And then afterwards, I was like, I'm not interested. Like, I have no interest in the new Buzz Lightyear movie. Like, the, I'm just I, like... I'm more, I'm more offended by the Buzz Lightyear movie existing than Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4 actually is, like, a pretty good movie, and they do actually manage to justify it, uh, shockingly. They do, uh, but again, it's like, it was just such yeah. a thing with the threequel. Again, I love Toy I thought Toy Story 4 was great. Yeah. Um, I agree with you that they did justify it, but it just goes to show that, like, how, like, how hard it is that, um, that that sequels and things like that um, try to capture yeah. that lightning in the bottle. And I think, again, I think that it was wise for Miyazaki to not do, 
to not do the Porco Rosa sequel because I think a lot of that magic and mystique would have gotten lost, especially now because it, this was released in what 1992. It's 2022 mm-hmm. as of this mm-hmm. recording. So like, you know, uh, like animation techniques have changed. Um, you know, now that you mainly CGI, like it, it, it there is something about the animation yeah. style of Porco Rosa that's very much like a product of its time. Um, uh, like, um. I, like I know you guys have like talked a lot about uh like uh, like other series like Cowboy Bebop like it is there are certain anime where like if you try to go back and do a sequel series of it waiting uh waiting waiting this long it it just loses a lot of the it loses a lot of its um flavor it loses a lot of its timelessness um and you you know there are like the rare there are rare 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 exceptions um uh both in animation and in in live action I think Blade Runner twenty forty nine is incredible um but that's the exception not the rule so major kudos for miyazaki to not do a sequel and please don't ever do a sequel to any of your films because all of them are fucking incredible yeah i I mean miyazaki i mean how do you live is probably going to be um the his last movie i'm not sure if he has a I mean, God, he's he's 80. Well, he's 81. So maybe he could pull a Clint Eastwood and work till his 90s. He could. I mean, he, he could. Empty chair. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, that's just that's the source of Clint Eastwood's powers. He, he will. He talks to the chair and the chair grants him another movie. They're like, all right, we'll give you the mule. OK, uh, you want to make Jersey Boys? <laughs> you know, um, what is it? What's his? Because he's he does like what is it? Clint Eastwood does a basically a movie a year, and I feel like it's uh, his way of being like if I create a or a cry macho. He's like I gotta make you get to make cry macho. Um, so you're um, saying so you're saying that Miyazaki his power is is he is uh he says he retires and then and then the powers that be go yeah no we're gonna give you more and more we're gonna give you more power to make more films exactly it's it's sort of like he says he's gonna retire it's like how i feel like quinn quinn tarantino when he gets to his like 10th movie and then he's gonna be like in his 60s and then he'll be like fuck i want to make like another couple movies and then he'll just like he'll be like i'm done and then he'll be like "Ah, i've I've written another screenplay i'm gonna make a movie i'm just gonna do it again and the movie's gonna his like his like filmography is gonna end with like 13 movies or something stupid like that because it doesn't Uh, matter no one cares except for him about like the 10. Let's get into our favorite segment. Uh, cue the music, Sasha. Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. Uh, so for those just joining in, the Speedwagon is our favorite uh, supporting character of this movie. Um, I'll go. I think for me, my speed wagons are uh, the pirates. I love them. They're just a, a wonderful uh, crew of people. I love how just silly they look. Uh, I found them to be very fun. Fair. Any yeah. pirate in particular, or was it? Just- I mean, Cap was the leader, of course. But I think the I think I just like the pirates themselves. You know what I mean? I just think they're yeah. Yeah. The, they, yeah. I, also, like love- random shout out to the fact that at the very at in the ending, um, uh, when they were at the Adriano, like the pirates just showed up and they were all super duper old, and yeah. like I love that scene. I love that little bit. It was like, oh, oh, look at them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Jordan? Oh God, um, that's that one's hard for me, but I, I really liked, um, I really like Bellini. 
Um, I thought that even though he was this very uh, small character, his effect on Porco and on Gina was so tremendous that it really mm. um, created the basis of, I think, their relationship for me. And I, and I thought that he was incredibly important, despite the fact that he was he shared very little screen time. All right. Oh, yeah. No, that makes sense. That's a good, that's a good pick. Um, all right. I'm going to go something uh, for people who've listened to this podcast. Um, I, they all know that I famously hate the character of Piccolo in the Dragon Ball Z universe because um, he's a piece of shit. Um, okay. He doesn't deserve your love. And he is not Goku's daddy. All right. He's not. Or was uh, go Gohan's go no, Gohan's Gohan. Yeah. All right, let me repeat that. We're gonna cut that out. I'm gonna do it again. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think for people are gonna be uh, surprised. People who've seen the podcast uh, uh, know that, like uh, back when we covered Dragon Ball Z, that I was not a fan of uh, Piccolo, uh, that character. I thought he was a piece of shit. Uh, he is not Gohan's daddy, as uh, people like to joke. Uh, he doesn't deserve any uh, fanfare. But in this movie. I really did like the character of Mr. Piccolo, uh, Fio's grandfather, uh, you know, the mechanic. Uh, I don't know why. I was just like, I just love the fact he's also so much shorter than everyone else. Like, he's like, he's basically like the Danny DeVito of this world. Um, <laughs> and like, because like, uh, Poco Rosso is already a short being because he's like a pig human. Um, and it's like, oh, Mr. Piccolo is even shorter. And just like, I love like the audacity to be like, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, you better like like what is it like when he's um, negotiating with uh, Poco Rosso about his like granddaughter being uh, his mechanic? It's just like you know he'll be she'll be salaried right and like you know like I need you to be alive because we need to have more business. <laughs> like you know it's like oh you can like go and uh, you know now that you've paid this plane off, do you want to go buy like more stuff from me? <laughs> like I just like love the audacity. Um, so yeah, Mister Piccolo. Uh, he's my pick. I've just nice. I really enjoyed him as a, as a side character. Yeah, fantastic. Final thoughts on Porco Rosso, everyone. Um, I know I didn't speak much during this podcast because the uh, only way I could really uh, keep my thoughts together was with the history segment I wrote. Th- thank God I did this fucking history segment a week ago, not <laughs> me scrambling to fucking do it uh, after the wedding. But no, um, yeah, I think this movie's fantastic. I'm glad we finally covered it. It's just a nice movie to vibe. It's very re- rewatchable. It's it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Porco is such an interesting character. Um, yeah, I think this is I, it's an underrated Ghibli film. The people who put Porco Rosso up in their uh, their higher rankings for for Miyazaki and Ghibli films, those are the real ones. You know, someone has good taste if they they do that. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, I guess. I'll go uh, for my thoughts. Uh, yeah, uh, first of all, this movie's not horny, all right? So if anyone tells you this movie's horny, it's not horny. Um, yeah, this movie's not horny, uh, but this is a great movie. I, I, I do agree with Jack's assessment uh, that um, that this is probably one of the better um, Studio uh, Ghibli movies. I, again, I haven't seen a lot of Studio uh, Ghibli, so I, like, I can't really say that with any authority, but I have a feeling, I suspect that this is going to be up there. It's going to stay up there. I think it's, it's for me, it's probably my favorite of the three that I've seen and covered for this podcast. Um, I think right now, if I was going to rate those three, it would be uh, Poco Rosso first, The Wind Rises second, and then Princess Mononoke third. Um, but it, maybe just because I'm a sucker for uh, animated aviation, <laughs> who knows? 
Um, but yeah, this was great. This was again had those Casa Casablanca vibes. Uh, you know, had the like just like it's like it's set in an era that I like really have like a fondness for as just like a viewer and like someone who's like studied history in the past. Um, like in university, like I just for whatever reason, it's just like I don't know. There's just something in the air when you like talk about this uh, this era for me. Um, but yeah, I'll pass it on. <laughs> we have. Um, this movie, Porco Rosso, to me, feels like it's going to age like a fine wine. Uh, it is, in my opinion, very underrated, I think, especially for uh, Western audiences. I think it's a very hidden jewel in the Miyazaki library and in the Studio Ghibli library at large. And because it's grounded in real histor- uh, in uh, you're given geographical and historical context, there's a sense of connection to it that I didn't feel in most of most of every other uh, most every other um, uh, Ghibli film, and I think for that, it's a really wonderful film that I'm going to be revisiting. Uh, we talked earlier about how I want to listen to the dub version um, as, uh, to kind of see and compare that between the sub version, and that's not something that I usually do. Uh, I am not necessarily a purist saying that you should watch everything subtitled, but I generally like to watch all anime subtitled. But this is one of the few exceptions where I will watch it dubbed because they're one, because you guys have talked so much about how damn good the dub is, but two, because it's, I feel like it's just one of those films where I will just enjoy it no matter what the setting and no matter where I'm at, whether I'm going to watch this 20 years from now, whether I watch this next week, it's just one of those timeless films where you can just sit back, sit back, relax, and just enjoy it and have a good time. Exactly. Well said. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's it. I think that's it on Porco Rosso. Uh, time for plugs. Uh, Jordan, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, so people can find me all across the social medias, uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, at uh, jmitchelllove. That's uh, with three L's. Um, that'll be in the show notes, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, so I don't have to spell it. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm all there on the socials. Uh, come check me out. I do, you know, fun fun voiceover things. Uh, got a couple projects coming down the pipeline. And so, yeah, check it out. Awesome. Uh, you can find me at jackisjack on Instagram and onlyrealjackm on Twitter. Malcolm, I've seen you've been tweeting a bit, so you're finally using your Twitter again. A little bit, yes. Uh, yeah, so you can follow me on uh, Instagram at Malcolm R.J. McLeod. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Malcolm R.J. McLeod. I got the account back, uh, and I'm and I'm, uh, I'm ready to tweet up a storm. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, but I'm on that hell site again, and we'll see if I descend into madness. Uh, yeah, if you uh, enjoyed this podcast, uh, yeah, uh, please... Uh, you, know, you can follow us on social media at is this anime pod on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah. And if you, uh, you know, listen to this on Spotify or Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and there's a rating system, leave us some stars, leave a review. Uh, it really does uh, help shape the show in the past. Uh, viewer suggestions have, you know, uh, inspired uh, choices that we've made for things we've covered on the podcast. So yeah, we love hearing from everyone. So please, uh, Feel free to hear it. You know, again, helps uh, word of mouth really helps a podcast like us out as we continue to grow and thrive. Uh, I think that about does it. Uh, I don't think there's anything else uh, we need to say. I think we can close this uh, chapter. Um, uh, you know, for Poker Rosa, this is this is a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Hell so. yeah. yeah. 
Uh, all right, perfect. Uh, and remember, uh, if you're going to go and do a bare knuckling, a knuckle boxing match, make sure you do it in the water and have those water-soaked chairs. Bye. <laughs>